Jealousy is not something we talk about much, but we see its pernicious influence right the way through the Bible. Uh, Lucifer was jealous of God, and so he rebelled against God. Cain was jealous of Abel, and so he murdered him. Uh, Sarah was jealous of Hagar. Jacob was jealous of Esau. Rachel was jealous of Leah. Uh, King Saul was jealous of David. The scribes and the Pharisees were jealous of Jesus. Jealousy is a very common emotion. It's something that we've all experienced, but it's also quite subtle. So we don't always recognize it. Uh, That is to say, we don't always recognize it in ourselves. It's usually quite easy to spot in other people. And today we're looking at one of the most obvious cases of jealousy in all of Scripture, King Saul's jealousy of David. Uh, But remember, with a lot of biblical stories, certainly most of them, possibly all of them, we're invited to see ourselves in the characters that we're reading about. And so by focusing on the relationship between King Saul and David, uh, it might make us aware of our own jealousy and what to do about it. It might make us aware of other people's jealousy of us and what to do about it. So let's look at the root of King Saul's jealousy. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was chosen by God. He was anointed by God. But subsequently, he rebelled against God. And so through the prophet Samuel, uh, God tells King Saul that he's going to take the kingdom from him. He's going to remove him from the throne and put a better man in his place. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 28, Samuel says this to the king. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. That would not have been an easy thing for Saul to hear. It would have caused him a huge amount of anxiety. But as yet, Saul doesn't know who the next king will be. So he hasn't really got anyone to be jealous of. There's not a focus for his jealousy. Two weeks ago, we heard how Samuel anointed an unlikely shepherd boy by the name of David to be the next king. But still Saul is left in the dark. He doesn't know about this. Uh, But last week, we heard how David stepped into the limelight by killing the Philistine giant Goliath. Uh, And this surely must have been the moment that doubt started to creep into Saul's mind. Another man, a better man than you. Uh, Nevertheless, David joins the army. He's very successful, and he's given a high rank by Saul. And all the officers and men of the army are very pleased uh, that David has been honored in this way. But the real turning point is when the men return from this military campaign and all the women run out to meet them. There's uh, singing and dancing. It's an occasion of, of great joy and celebration. And the women are singing this. They sing, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And of course, Saul hears this and he gets really angry. It's like the lid has been taken off uh, this jealousy that's been festering away for some time. And the very next day, David is playing the lyre, which is like a little harp, and Saul completely loses it and hurls a spear at David. And David manages to avoid that from the text. It looks like Saul might have had another go through the spear again. David avoided that and escaped with his life. Now, Saul recognizes that this was a, an angry outburst, a knee-jerk reaction. He knows that David is extremely popular. And it's really not going to go well for Saul if he murders David. It's not going to look good for him. 
So Saul puts David in charge of a thousand men and sends him on all these really dangerous military campaigns in the hope that the Philistines will kill David, but they don't. David just wins victory after victory. He, he, he becomes more and more popular. It's like rubbing salt into the wound for Saul. Uh, and at one point, Saul offers his daughter Merab to David in marriage. But when the time comes for them to get married, uh, Saul slights David and gives Merab in marriage to another man. And it gets worse and worse because Saul discovers that his other daughter, Michal, is in love with David. And he tells David that he can marry Michal, providing he brings back a hundred uh, foreskins from their Philistine enemies. And that is pretty sick. Uh, But Saul is convinced that David will get himself killed in the process. Uh, But what happens? David comes back with 200 Philistine foreskins, and they count them out in front of the king. It's stomach-churning, it's abhorrent, it's macabre. Uh, But to save face, uh, Saul gives uh, Michal in marriage to David. Uh, So that's the background of today's passage, and already we can see just how destructive jealousy can be. But what is jealousy? Well, the words envy and jealousy are often used synonymously, but I think they mean slightly different things. Envy is when we focus on what another person has and we desire it for ourselves. And envy can focus on a person's house, on their car, their career, their gifts, their talents, their ability, their partner, their husband or wife, their popularity, their looks. There are so many things that we can be envious about. And envy is not a good thing, but jealousy is even worse. Jealousy is is when we not only desire what the person has, but we resent them for having it. Envy is wanting the person's gift. Jealousy is wanting that person to lose their gift. And jealousy is certainly not absent from the church. I heard about a group of uh, uh, Baptists. This is just an illustration, so nothing against Baptists. We love Baptists. It could be any denomination. Uh, but I heard about a group of Baptists who were engaged in an intense week of mission and outreach. And after it, uh, one of them said, uh, we didn't have a much, much of a revival last week, uh, but thank God the Methodists didn't either. Je- jealousy makes us want to tear the other person down. It's spiteful. It's active. It's vindictive. Shakespeare called jealousy the green-eyed monster. And we can see the devastating effect that jealousy had on King Saul. He becomes paranoid, hateful, and completely obsessed with killing David. In today's passage, Saul tried to kill David in three different ways. Firstly, he tells his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Saul assumed that David would be equally jealous. Uh, After all, David was next in line to the throne. Uh, But far from being jealous, Jonathan uh, loves uh, uh, David and uh, he speaks up for him. And we'll come back to Jonathan a bit later on. Secondly, in a fit of rage, Saul once again tries to pin David to the wall with a spear, uh, but again he misses. And thirdly, Saul sends men to David's house with instructions to kill him. And it's Michal, Saul's daughter, that helps uh, David to escape. Uh, Now, we might not get jealous enough to try to murder someone. 
Uh, Although it does happen, jealousy will be the main cause of some murders here in Australia. Uh, But those are exceptional cases. However, we have all experienced some kind of jealousy, but that hasn't, I hope, led to murder or attempted murder. Uh, But then we're not a king or a queen with near absolute power, humanly speaking, living 3,000 years ago. If we were, who knows what we'd be capable of. Um, But perhaps we can identify a time when how our jealousy has led to uh, feelings of intense resentment. Or, Or perhaps, as I said before, maybe we can't, because it's often easy to spot jealousy in other people, but it's very difficult to spot it in ourselves. And that's because our pride doesn't allow us to admit that we're jealous, not even to ourselves. When did anyone ever look at a person and say, I despise that person because they're better than me? No, we we cover up our jealousy by finding some other reason to harbor these negative feelings. We don't say to ourselves, I can't stand him because he's got that car and I haven't. We say, look at him showing off in that fancy car. It's very subtle, isn't it? So instead of recognizing that we're jealous, we focus on the person's character flaw, real or imagined. He's a show-off. Or if someone gets promoted ahead of us at work, we don't think, uh, I resent that person because she got the job I wanted. We think, oh, she only got the job because she weaseled her way in with the management. Again, we don't notice that we're jealous because we're so focused on this person being a weasel, whether they are or not. And jealousy makes us want to bring people down, perhaps by bad-mouthing them to a a mutual acquaintance in in an attempt to besmirch their reputation. Or it can be even more subtle than that. You know, we get away from work, and there's that person we just want to complain about to our friend or our spouse. Uh, We just really want someone to agree that this uh, this person is really quite obnoxious. And then we don't have to admit to ourselves that we're jealous of them because that would be a real blow to our pride. And even if we're not proactive in trying to bring the person down, even if we don't speak to anyone else about them, we might secretly want something bad to befall them or we, uh, we glow inwardly when it does. You know, that person who keeps going on these wonderful holidays and, uh, you know, they planned a skiing holiday and a couple of weeks before, they, I don't know, they break a leg. It's a broken leg, no one wants that, but it's not too serious, they will recover. But there's part of you that kind of feels a, a bit smug about that. You know, maybe for just a second you catch yourself going, ha, that's jealousy, and it can be quite subtle. So if there's someone that we've taken a strong dislike to, if there's someone whose bad news is actually quite good news, then there's a strong chance that we're jealous of them. Even if that person has some obvious character flaws, uh, we need to examine our own heart and question whether those feelings of aversion are at least in part caused by jealousy. Because if we don't recognize jealousy we can't tackle it. Uh, So once identified, what do we do about jealousy? Well, the first thing is to recognize its destructive nature. Saul stands as a warning to us. Uh, The person who was harmed most from Saul's jealousy was ultimately Saul himself. It ruined his life. Uh, In French, the word la jalousie means both the emotion, jealousy, and the window blind. And what do window blinds do? 
they block out the light. And that's exactly what jealousy does. It blocks out the light to our soul. The jealous find themselves blinded to both the good of others and their own blessings. And it robs them of joy, peace, and contentment. That's exactly what happened to Saul. In fact, we might even say that his jealousy drove him to madness. If we read the story through from beginning to end, it becomes very apparent that Saul was suffering from uh, chronic mental ill health. Uh, Not only that, but it destroyed his relationships. Firstly, with David. David would have served Saul faithfully. Certainly wouldn't have done anything to supplant or usurp him. How different things might have been if Saul had accepted David as his successor and instead of trying to kill him, had mentored him. Could have been a completely different story. And then we see how jealousy affected Saul's relationship with his children, with his daughters, Merab and Michal, who he used in pawns, uh, as pawns in the game of trying to dispose of David. And, uh, and then with his son Jonathan in chapter 20, when uh, Jonathan asked his father, why should David be put to death? Saul tries to kill his own son, uh, again by hurling a spear at him. Point to note, if... If Saul's in reach of a spear, don't broach those tricky subjects. Uh, Luckily, it seems that he wasn't a particularly good shot. Uh, But the point is, jealousy ruined Saul's life. He had no peace. He suffered with mental ill health. It destroyed his relationships. And in the end, he committed suicide in the midst of a failed military campaign. Saul stands as a warning to us. Jealousy will detract from your life. And it can even destroy one's life completely. Uh, But we can't learn very much about how to deal with jealousy from King Saul because he didn't deal with jealousy. It overcame him. It got the better of him. Uh, To find out how to avoid jealousy, we must look to Saul's son, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan had more reason to be jealous of David even than his father. Uh, At least uh, Saul was king. But David's popularity, his prowess, not to mention his anointing, meant that Jonathan would never be king. But Jonathan was okay with that. He loved David, and he wanted him to do well, genuinely wanted the best for David. It's a wonderful quality when you are genuinely pleased and excited for the person who surpasses or exceeds you. I think it's one of the tests of a true friend. Romans 12:15 says rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn it's easier to mourn with someone the hard bit is rejoicing with someone especially if their life is taking off and you feel like yours is at a standstill going nowhere jonathan could so easily have become david's rival uh, he was a brave warrior and a a charismatic leader in his own right. In in chapter 13, we read how he launched a daring attack against the Philistine outpost at Geba. Uh, In chapter 14, we read of an audacious assault carried out by Jonathan and his armor-bearer. They scaled a near-vertical cliff, and they fought and killed the 20 Philistine soldiers that held the position at the top. In the book of 1 Samuel, we hear about Jonathan's exploits, long before David even gets a mention. But Jonathan wasn't jealous when David came on the scene. And let's be honest, in in 1 Samuel, when David comes on the scene, he is then the central character. But Jonathan wasn't jealous of David. Why? 
Uh, Quite simply, Jonathan trusted God. He knew that God had a plan for him, and he knew that God had a plan for David. It wasn't for him to question God, to move himself into a role that God hadn't given him, uh, to try and change God's plan, to elevate himself at David's expense. That would all be futile. That was a way of his father, and it blighted his whole life. Jonathan trusted God enough to know that God's plan for him was the right one. And so he didn't need to be looking over his shoulder at David. One of the things that will snatch away our peace and our joy quicker than anything is making comparisons. When we compare ourselves to other people, we take our eyes off the path that God has set before us. And we lose sight of what we have been called to do. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare your gift to someone else's gift, your ability to someone else's ability, your house to someone else's house, your role to someone else's role, your life to someone else's life. It will consume you. And in the process, you'll miss that thing that God has got for you and only you. There is something that you are uniquely placed on this planet to do. And that's where your focus needs to be. You might say, well, how can I know what that is? But one thing's for sure, if we're focused on other people, on what they have, on what they're doing with their life, if we're always making comparisons, uh, then we will not see what God is trying to do in our own life. We'll find ourselves deeply dissatisfied and pursuing all the things that other people have. Jonathan trusted God's plan for his life. So instead of setting himself up as David's rival, he supported him. Jonathan, the man who in worldly terms had more to lose from David's success than anyone else, was his best friend and most loyal supporter. And that's another way that we can stave off jealousy. When we see someone doing well, let's say good things about them. Let's cheer them on. Let's rejoice with them. Let's be pleased for them. Let's pray for them. You know, so if someone gets promoted ahead of you at work, congratulate them. Not through grit teeth. But sincerely, pray for them. If they become your manager, work hard for them. Work in such a way that you make them look good. That kind of response is honoring to God. Jealousy dishonors God. And it will do more harm to the person who is jealous in the long run. So we trust God with the plan that he has for us. And we encourage, support, and uphold those that we might otherwise be jealous of. Jonathan did both those things, but there's one more notable thing that Jonathan did that we see in this passage. He he gives thanks. When he pleads with Saul on David's behalf, he says David took his life in his hand when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. David is trying to get his father to be grateful for what David has done for him personally and for the nation as a whole. Uh, Jonathan is grateful for David. He's grateful for his friendship. He's grateful that the Lord is with him. He's grateful for this great thing David has done for Israel. If it weren't for David, Israel would almost certainly have been subdued by the Philistines. Jonathan knows that, and he's grateful. You know, you cannot be in a state of jealousy and thanksgiving at the same time. Uh, Jealousy and gratitude do not coexist. When we're jealous... Uh, of someone else our gaze is fixed over there 
And we don't see what God has blessed us with and continues to bless us with. Making comparisons leads to dissatisfaction, which leads to envy, which leads to jealousy. And we can avoid the whole ugly business by cultivating that habit of gratitude and thanksgiving. Jonathan was grateful for David. Now, we might not have reason to be grateful for the person who is sparking our jealousy, but we do have reasons to be grateful. Every one of us, even if we look back over the last 24 hours, there is so much that we could be grateful for. If we have a daily time of prayer, and we include in that a time of thanksgiving and being grateful to God for the way that he's blessed us, then somehow that puts everything in perspective, no matter what is going on in our lives. Gratitude is a great antidote to jealousy and to dissatisfaction in general. So overcoming jealousy, the three things I think here. Uh, Firstly, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. That's not your concern. Focus on what God's got for you and trust God that it's the right thing. The second thing, uh, when you see someone doing well, when they've got something you haven't, cheer them on, be glad for them, support them. And thirdly, instead of lamenting what we haven't got in comparison to other people, let's give God thanks for all the wonderful ways that he has blessed us. Uh, But there's one more thing that we need to think about. What if we're in David's position and someone is jealous of us? Well, it's worth noting that David was loyal to Saul to the very end, and he uh, never did anything that would deliberately provoke Saul's jealousy. And we should be the same. We should be very careful that we're not doing anything or saying anything that could provoke someone else to envy or jealousy. We don't want that. Before we share good news about what's happening in our lives, it's worth examining our motives. It's not to say we can't share good news. We should do. But what are our our motives? Are we trying to make someone jealous? If that's our motive, then we need to think again. And who are we sharing the news with? Is it someone that will be genuinely pleased for us? Is Is it a true friend, someone that can rejoice with us? Because if it's not, then maybe we should save it. Or depending on what it is, at least not make too big a deal of it. So so for example, if you know that one of your colleagues at work is struggling financially, you don't go on and on about the renovations that you're doing at home and the pool that you're having put in. We need to be sensible, uh, uh, sensitive rather, to the way that we're impacting upon other people. Jealousy is one of the most destructive emotions. It can completely ruin lives. And so we want to avoid jealousy in ourselves, and we want to avoid provoking it in other people. Let's pray for that now. Heavenly Father, this, uh, this account of King Saul and his relationship with David is such a, a clear example of jealousy. And Father, we acknowledge that all of us at times can be envious And that envy can even uh, grow into jealousy. And it's very subtle, uh, far more subtle than the account that we just heard about. But we pray, Father, that you will help us to recognize uh, envy or jealousy in ourselves, if ever it appears. And that you help us to nip it in the bud, to recognize its destructive influence, and not to worry what other people are doing. Father, we pray 
And I think all of us do this at times. We make comparisons. We compare ourselves to other people. We pray, Father, that we won't do that, that we'll focus on who we are, who you're calling us to be, the life that you've given us and the path that you've set before us. Help us to focus on that, Lord, and not be distracted by what other people are doing around us. Help us to be attuned to your spirit and to your leading. And may we be faithful to you all the days of our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.